0: leave me some of the notes, okay, (laughs) I love her,
1: praise the Lord y'all, it's good to be here, it's good to get to know each and every one of y'all, and if I haven't shaken your hand yet, um, I'm sorry, See me after church, Um, I, I try to be as hospitable as possible, but um, I'm not used to standing behind a pulpit and giving a testimony. I've never been a minister's wife until now, (laughs) so this is new for me, but um, I do want to give my testimony. I really feel in my heart that this church needs to be healed. I don't know what's going on. Mike hasn't told me anything. Um, I don't know what's going on, but when I was praying earlier, I feel like, God just wants to wrap his arms around y'all. And I feel like if I give my testimony, maybe that'll help somebody here tonight. Um, I was not raised Pentecostal. Um, my mom and my dad were, but I wasn't. They they got out. That's a long story. But anyway, and they didn't want to raise us uh, in the truth. So when I was about... Um, I was in eighth grade, I had a best friend that was Pentecostal, and she really hurt me really, really bad by some things that she did, and so I swore off, I was like, I will never be Pentecostal, I was like, it's not going to happen, those people are just judgmental, and I don't have anything to do with them, so I didn't really know what true Pentecost was all about, so anyway, and then um, time rolls on, and I turned 16, and I really, I've always had a desire to live for God, always. Um, When I was eight years old, I actually got the Holy Ghost out of UPC Church, and I got baptized in Jesus' name, because Mama said that was the only way I was going to do it if if I did, because she knew knew the truth, and so I did, and so I, I was always begging my mom, can we please go to church on Sunday, you know, I always had a desire to live for God, I just didn't know, I would just listen to what this person had to say or this person had to say. And, you know, and I was getting confused. and I'm like, well, who do I believe? What do I do? You know, it's like God spoke to me when I was 16. And he said, he said, read the word for yourself. And so I said, okay. So I had a hunger. I had a desire to know the word for myself. And so I began to read the word. I made a commitment. I was going to read the Bible through in a year, do the Bible reading plan. And I began to read the word, and God began to show me things. And um, then I got married at 17 to a man that um, he was in church at the time. And he stayed in church until my oldest daughter, who's 18 now. She was two weeks old, and he got out. And I was bound and determined I'm going to raise my kids in truth no matter what. I was like, I'm just going to do it. And so I did. But... First five years were okay, even though he wasn't living right or anything, you know, it was okay. You know, he wasn't really, you know, doing anything. Well, then after that, he got into meth really bad, and then he um, started cheating on me. And so I went through a lot of years of just horrible, horrible, just junk stuff, you know, and some of y'all might be able to relate. And so, and I just, I was, I was just like, you know what? God's not doing this to me. He is. He's making these choices. It has nothing to do with God. I said, God hasn't failed me, so I'm not going to fail him. Amen. So I was bound and determined, you know, I'm just going to keep living for the Lord. Well, then finally I just had enough, you know, and so I just, um, you know, I said it's time to move on. So I did. But I just want to share a scripture with you, um, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, if you can pull it up. This is the, sh- this is the scripture that just leapt out at me after my divorce and I just felt like I was broken into a billion pieces and I was like, I don't, I was like, God, I don't know how in the world I'm going to come through this. I just want to die. I just want to just, God, take me now. I was like, I don't want to live another day. I know my girls need me and that was the only thing that kept me going was my girls. But this scripture I hung on to, this was my lifeline scripture. Because I knew somehow, some way, God was going to make a way and he was going to help me. But it says, and he said unto me, this is God talking, my grace is sufficient. That means it's enough. It's all that you need for thee. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. When you feel like you're all alone and you're at your weakest, darkest, deepest place, This is what I held on to and this is what you can hold on to because it says his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And it says, so most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. All of my weaknesses, anything, whether it's I'm mentally weak because of all the strains of life and everything that you're going through and you're just mentally, spiritually, you're just like, God, I don't know if I can make it another day. I don't know what I can do. What in the world do I do? you hang on to this scripture because God said most gladly, therefore will I I rather glory in my infirmities, my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So the power of God and his strength is made perfect when we're going through these trials and we're going through the worst thing we feel like we could ever go through in our life. This is when his strength is made perfect in us. And I thought about, I was thinking about, the scriptures talks about joseph and everything joseph went through in his lifetime y'all know this how it was when he was younger you know and his brothers were jealous of him and so he got you know sold into slavery and then after that you know he he ended up going and being a slave in potiphar's house and then potiphar's you know wife she um tried to get him to sleep with her. And then so he was accused of rape, but he he refused to sleep with her, and he left his coat there. And then so he was was proven time and time again. And then so he ended up in prison because of him refusing to sleep with her. She tattled and said, he did, he raped me. And then he ended up in prison. And then the two people in prison, once he became um, the head person... In prison, I don't know what it's called, but anyway. So um, then he interpreted some dreams for the baker and the cupbearer. And then when he did that, he said, Y'all remember me when you get out of prison and tell the king, Hey, don't forget about me. I'm still in prison over here. And so what happened? They forgot. For two more years, he was still in prison after he interpreted the dream. So time after time after time, and I'm sure... Joseph had many, many, many times where he was like, you know, God, why are you doing this to me? You know, I I have never, I've never left you. I've kept living for you no matter what. And time and time again, I've been sold into slavery and then I'm in prison and, and it's like, I just can't win for losing, you know? And so, and a lot of times that's how we feel in our lives. We go through all kinds of things and you're like, why me, God? You know, why am I going through this? But then at the end, he could see exactly why God did all this. It was to save much people alive. He ended up becoming the second or third in line of the Pharaoh, and he saved his whole people. His family came. They were starving. There was a famine in the land, and they came, and he saw, that's my brothers, but they didn't even recognize him because he was dressed, you know, like the Egyptians. But when they came in and, you know, he began to weep. And he's like, that's my brother's. And he finally realized this is what God was doing all along. He had to put me through all those tests and trials to see if I was worthy to go into Pharaoh's house. And then once I was in Pharaoh's house, then that's how I was able to give all of my people food. So we never know, y'all. We never know why we go through what we go through. At the end... It might be when we get in heaven. That might be the first time we can look back and say, oh, that's why I went through what I went through. We never know what it is. And I feel like if I wouldn't have went through what I went through, I would have never became a minister's wife. Um, He would have never chosen me because I wasn't raised in the truth. And it took me going through everything I went through to learn to depend and trust on God. And God was my husband for many years And God put me through college. My car broke down, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to quit college. God gave me a car. A man just walked up to me and handed me the keys to his vehicle, and he said, God told me to give you this. So, I mean, I was like, okay, it's God's will for me to be a teacher. (laughs) So I was like, God's not going to let me quit. So, y'all, y'all just, God is so good. And please, 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 if you get anything from my testimony, I just want you to know that do not give up because God has a plan. I don't know what it is for your life, but God has a plan. And he will work it out. Just You just got to stick with him. And um, I have a song that I feel like um, I need to sing before I hand the mic over to my husband. And I want y'all to all just worship with me. I know you know it's an old song. It's just welcome. Into this place, we're just welcome his presence, welcome his spirit. We're broken vessels, and we just desire for him to abide in us. And y'all just sing along with me. I don't want to just sing by myself, I want y'all to sing with me.
0: To the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is so good to His church. Amen. Even when we don't understand. That's one of the things about living for God. A lot of times you have no clue. You're left there like, what? His ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. Isaiah 55. And a lot of times we're sitting there like, I have no idea what's going on. And so um, my message, well, I had planned and God kind of diverted that and said, talk to the people about Some of the stuff that you're going through, I've gone through, and uh, some of the stuff that me and my wife have gone through in the last couple months, and and just to encourage the people, God has a plan, and as long as me and you can stay in that plan, everything's going to be all right. We have no clue but that doesn't matter because as I was taught in the military there's option A there's option B and option C and Lucas can verify this you you train for the variables at times what if this situation happens and what if this situation happens what do we do and so when you come into that mindset in your walk with God, if this doesn't pan out, then I can fall back on this. But with God, that's not the way God plays. God starts stripping away your safety nets, start taking away this and that, and you're looking back, okay, if, if this doesn't pan out, God, what? <laughs> where am I going to fall? I'm going to fall to my death because <laughs> there's nothing behind me. My man of God, back in my other church, I was going through something. He told me this. He goes, you need to learn how to have faith in God. That When your situation comes, there's at times that you're just going to have to step out in faith, believing. You're just going to have to have faith. And it, and it was interesting because as soon as I, okay, I'll tell you the story of what happened. When I was praying, I called Brother Sparks and we talked about me coming back to Oregon and we prayed about it. We Remember this? And, and, and I came back here and I did not feel like I should come back, okay? And not because I didn't want to come back. I just didn't feel like God was giving me that okay. I don't want to be out of the will of God. <laughs> I can have my way and say, okay, I'm coming back. But then the Lord says, I don't want you here yet. It's not your time yet, so I want you over here. It's hard at times, right? Because our flesh says, <laughs> we want to do this. And the Lord saying, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. So I was talking to my pastor that says, as soon as you step out in faith, God's going to bring something along and you're going to step out on something. And as soon as you step out again, there's something else going to come along and you're going to step on that until you get to the other side. And that's easy to say when you're not in it, but when you're in it, it, there's nothing there, God. (laughs) And you're putting your foot out and you don't feel anything And so we were praying about it, and I didn't, we didn't get the answers I prayed for. And so, okay, Lord, and so I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. When I went back to La Rongeur, this last time, I didn't have a job, and I didn't have a home. That Sunday when I came and pulled into the parking lot of the church that day, somebody came up to me and said, hey, I have a house for you, and you can stay in for a couple weeks. Okay that's nice okay I got a little bit of something I can stand on a little bit you know it's kind of breakable but you don't know but it's interesting how God orchestrates things when the guy was kicking me out he had a meeting with me one night he called me into, the, into his house and he said hey I want you out of my house this weekend I didn't have a place to go had one job I was working at a dairy farm woke up at 2 in the morning 2.30 be there milking 500 cows, yeah, and it was funny, because I wore green gloves, and you don't do that, because <laughs> the dye wears out, and you become, the, you become green, <laughs> so I had green on my hands for two days, <laughs> praise God, I was not the Incredible Hulk either, <laughs> but but it was interesting, because I went to see my pastor, at had his job, and he took me, we took it, we went out to eat, and he paid for my food, and I didn't get to sit with him. I didn't get to tell him my woes and my woes. Oh, I don't have nowhere to live and all this stuff and what I wanted to do, right? But I sat across the, across the street from this guy. He, he kind of was coming to church and not coming to church, but he, go, he asks me a question. He says, do you have a place to live? And I said, right now I'm not really. He, he goes, let me make a phone call. That Sunday I had a place to live, and I lived in that place for two years. You, you don't know. You could be sitting across from someone and they can ask you one question. that can change your life forever. And they had a plan. God had a plan. Went to another job. Got, I didn't get the job I wanted. And so my money started running out. And so the, my pastor gave me some money let me move in. And so the Lord started showing me that if you step out in faith, believing God will meet you where you are but we try to side everything on our own and say, okay, if I don't have this money and if I don't have this person or I have this job lined up, I can't step out unto the things that God is calling me unto. But God's saying, I want you to step out first, then I will provide. We're saying, God, provide, then I will step out. As long as you meet me where I am (laughs) and I can do it. (laughs) I want to have those references and I want to have the money in the bank account before I start evangelizing or whatever God's calling you to do. But God's saying, and it's interesting because Moses, with all his excuses, God asks him, what do you have in your hand? And he started to eliminate all his excuses. He came up, and you know what he was doing, though? He was taking his mindset and starting to change his mindset. Jeremiah had the same issue. It was all in his mind. I cannot speak because I'm a child. That was his mindset. I am not qualified for what you're calling me to do. I don't know who I'm speaking today, but what if God? what is God calling you to do? What is it that God is speaking to you about to go out into, but you're looking at the situation and say, God, I, I understand. If, brother, if it was Brother Sparks, Brother Sparks could do this. Or if it was Pastor, he could do it because he's a man of great faith and, and all these things. But you're, what you're doing is you're comparing yourself to these men. And right there in itself is sin. If God wanted them to do it, He would ask them to do it. But He didn't ask them to do it, He asked you to do it. Because He sees something in you, He believes in you. I'm not ripping and warring. I really felt like I'm just going a little bit slow. Is that okay? Because God is, he, He's trying to put us to a new height and a new plane in Him. We like to stay at Acts 2.38 where it's nice and comfortable when we feel the Holy Ghost. Woo. But God says it's time to grow up. It's time to develop into Christians, into men of God and ladies of God. You know what? It's interesting. When I went to Iraq, and you guys know this, I was here in this church when at that time. He took me away from everything that I knew put me 3,000, 4,000 miles away. I didn't have access to the internet back then, those days. I couldn't pick up the phone and call Pastor at that time, Pastor King, and say, Pastor, what? Uh, what's those scriptures that you said about that sub- subject? Hold on, let me write them down. I couldn't get on the email because I only had access to the email once a week or every two weeks. I had no one else living for God in that 500 people that I was with. I was the only one living for God. God put me in a situation that I had to develop my own relationship with God. Because before then, I was always saying, Brother Sparks' testimony is this. My dad's testimony is this. My mom's testimony is this. But I never told him my testimony. Then God saying, what is your testimony, Michael? You need to start developing because it's interesting as you read the word in some of the scriptures, it was their God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob but then when it became my God it takes on to a whole new level yes he is the God of pastor and he is the God of bishop and he is the God of these other great men of God but what it's interesting is when it becomes Michael's God and it becomes my God There takes a new level it's no longer do I have to depend on their faith but I have a faith that I can carry myself through God is dealing with me about a situation in our life. We had, we got burned really bad. We, we helped somebody out and they burned us really bad. It hurt us really bad. <laughs> yes, sir, that's right. Amen. <laughs> that's words of wisdom right there. Amen. They burned us and it was our friends. We thought they were our friends. And things started going downhill from there. And so I preached a message, and I, and I said, what are you talking about? And that's what, Actually, this is where the message was birthed from. What are you speaking? What are you talking about? And I'm not talking about what you're talking about to others, but what are you talking about to yourself in the private time? The Bible says what you thinketh, what a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I've been, I'm, I'm taking some studies and counseling and different things and, and they tell you that if you use the words, oh, you give me an example. Um, if, do not forget the keys. How many says those words? You know, my wife does and she does, forgets those, someone else. But the brain picks up the word forget and so a lot of times you're going to forget the keys because you're programming your brain to forget the keys. Don't forget the keys. The brain doesn't hear the don't. It hears the forget. And so it picks up the word forget and says, okay, I did what you told me to do. Why are you mad at me? You told me to forget the keys. I forgot the keys. It's true. Try it, okay? Forget the keys. Don't forget the keys. Okay, so when I do, so now they say, say, remember the keys, so your brain picks up the word "remember." So now, when you get when before you hit the door, it says, "Oh, I, 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 know I was something." I'm, oh, remember the keys. So now you can remember the keys. Okay, so try it. But that's just simple programming of the brain. You're telling I'm an idiot. Some of you guys keep telling yourself, "I've heard." And it's interesting as I was studying this, I started to pick up on people's conversations. I'm an idiot. Oh, I always do that. I'm so dumb. Have you heard people say it? Oh, I always, I'm always i so clumsy. <laughs> I'm this or I'm that. And do you know what? Your brain is telling you now to be clumsy or to be dumb or to be an idiot because you, what you're telling yourself and you're speaking to yourself, you're going to become that. And so God was speaking to me and saying, you, you, you keep telling yourself, I'm an idiot and I'm a loser and I'm no good and God can't use me. And so you disqualify yourself from the presence of God. Even though the presence of God is sweeping in the house and moving around the house, but you keep telling yourself, I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. And, and so you actually withdraw and you hide yourself from the presence of God. And all along, God's desire is for you to come out of that. God's desire, that's not what God's word says. His word says, I can do all things through Christ. You're Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And many, many more. The Bible even goes to the point point says, I go before you and I prepare the way. I'm all around you. I'm beside you. I'm, I'm around you. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things for you. And a lot of times we don't even see it because it's so far ahead of us. I saw a picture one time and it, and it dictates this really well. Uh, Darian, come here real quick. Button, stand right in front of me. front of me. So Darian's going to represent humanity. I'm going to represent God because I'm big. I knew my fatness would come in handy one day. So shh, Bo, you come behind me, okay? And you're going to act like you're throwing rocks, okay? Just stand behind me, act like you're throwing rocks at Darian, okay? I'm God. I'm blocking the majority of the rocks because I'm fat. One or two rocks might hit Darien, right? One or two. And Darien gets mad. Good boy, why are these rocks hitting me? And God's a block. There's like 50 hitting God, though. And God's blocking them all. And then one rock hits us, and we get mad. And God's protecting us from so much more. Thank you. God's protecting us all along. One or two things might come our way. You know why? You know why God led the children of Israel the long way? In Exodus 13, it says God led them the long way because, less preventure they saw war and they turned back. Even though it was closer to go through the land of the Philistine. He knew what the children of Israel could endure and what they could not endure. Could it be that God's taking you the long way to develop some things and to take some things out of you and to put some things in you? To develop you so you can become the man of God and the woman of God that God has desired to use you for? I know I'm not ripping and warring like I normally do, but I feel like I'm just taking my time. I'm almost done, okay? I promise. I'm almost done. The same thing with Jeremiah. Jeremiah, and here's the interesting, the Lord says these awesome things. And and you can take the story of Gideon, the same thing. God calls him a mighty man of valor. Right? He calls him these awesome things. He tells Jeremiah, I have have anointed you, I have called you, I have known you before the womb. Man, these are some powerful things he's saying. Right? Jeremiah 1. He's talking to me, saying, I have anointed, I knew, I sanctified you before the womb, man, and I've done all these I've ordained thee a prophet. These are some cool things. The very next statement says, Nah, Lord, I can't do that. I can't speak because I'm a child. Could it be that God's calling you into the ministry and now you're saying, oh, and the Lord's speaking into your life and said, I'm going to use you. You're going to lay your hands on the sick and they're going to recover. You're going to pray and you're going to call it cancer and the cancer's going to be healed and God's, you're going to teach Bible studies and you're going to win people to the Lord and you're like, Lord, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough because I have addictions and I have problems, Lord, but you don't realize who I am. what are you thinking, church? It's easy to praise God when we're all down here worshiping the Lord. It's easy to, oh man, I love the Lord and I God is so good and when everything's going good. But when things start going south and start going bad and your friends start turning your back on you and the money's not in the bank account and people are calling you on the phone and saying, where's our money? Can you still say, ah, oh, God is so good? God's looking for true worshipers. God started speaking to me when I'm going through all these things and, and I'm, I'm preaching this awesome message. And God and God it's funny because you can preach an awesome message, and then God says, okay, now back it up. <laughs> it's good, Lord, for I preached it was awesome. And now I'm in the midst of it all. <laughs> oh, God, where are you? <laughs> Ain't that reality, though? It's easy to say I love the Lord like he preached Sunday morning. I don't want to piggyback off his message, but it's 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 right up where, where my message was. And so I'm over on the side, and the Lord starts speaking to me and saying, Michael, I want you to learn how to worship me in the good and in the bad. That no matter what's going on, And I heard a statement, and I love this statement, because praise is praising Him for what He's done. Worshiping is worshiping Him because of who He is and His character and who He is. There's a change, and there's a depth. But also, another thing about worship, it is not just a Sunday and our Wednesday thing we do. It's a life. It's about your life, about when that Monday morning comes and you don't want to get out of bed, or the Monday blues hits you. It's then you're going, to wor- you're going to still go worship the Lord. Because here's the thing, we're all about the hype.
2: <laughs> oh, you
0: praise the Lord, and you run around the church about night and pass, oh. But then Monday mornings come around, and it's like, oh. And then the crash comes down, and your reality hits you, and that problem is right there looking in your face and yelling at you. How do we take those awesome Sunday night services and transfer them into our Mondays and our Tuesdays when no one's around? It's about living a life of integrity and living a life of discipline. That it's not all about the hype. And this is what God's teaching me about me and my wife is that it's not just about the honeymoon experience, it's about living life after that. If you want really want to learn about love, get married. <laughs> And you're like, oh, you look good. Oh, yeah, she got the wig. (laughs) And then she breathes on you in the morning, and you're like, oh, God. And I breathe on her and like, oh, God. Here's a mint. Truth. When she's sick or I'm sick and I'm puking up my guts and, and you're help cleaning it up. When the hype is all gone and the love tingles are all gone. You made a commitment. and you, uh, I'm preaching to a church that knows a lot about marriage because we have a great example. 35 years and 65 years, I think. 64, something like that. That's awesome. Because it's not just about the highs and the lows, but it's sticking it through it, baby. That no matter what comes our way, we're going to stick through it together. It's sometimes getting over your pride at times and saying, hey, I'm sorry for what I said. You don't feel super spiritual when that. But Lord, I, she said this and that and this and she did this. And the Lord says, go apologize. Lord,
3: I didn't
4: do it. It was
3: her. And
0: the Lord said, hold on, put your finger back up. <laughs> You're pointing one finger, and three are pointing back at you. I'm like, oh, why? Then I do this. It's all her fault. But that's where. Here's one of the things that hit me the hardest, and the best thing that happened to me when in your marriage vows, this, this, there's this little phrase in there, in your vows, the death do us part, and all that wonderful stuff. I love her when she's rich and, and uh, all those great things, right? But also says when you're poor and when you're sick and all those other things, right? But it says this, forsaken all others. God slapped me on the side of the face, said Psh. When you're in a love relationship, the voices from everyone else ceases. Most important voice now in my life is other God, a man of God, and my wife. Those phone calls I used to make to other people to get confirmations, they cease. Now it's her and me pray together. We talk it out. I'm feeling this. What are you feeling about it? Getting on the same page. Let's pray about this. This person did me wrong. Let's pray about it. There's a lot of, we got, we got done wrong the other day from a minister or from a from minister said some bad things about us. I was in the right to defend myself and my family because of what I've been taught. I had every right to go and talk to them and say some things to them and set them straight. I had every right. They were out of line ethically. They were out of line scripturally. They were out of line. And I had every right. God said, hold the fort. Stop. Pray for them. I didn't know what they were going through couple weeks later, in service, God, a minister, came through the church, calls those same ministers up and his wife, and they were literally going through hell. Could I have been the one to destroy them? But I was in the right. What's more important, their souls are you being right? We feel justified at times because I'm in the right. But you could have lost a soul. You could have destroyed them. It's not always about being right. It's about being led by the Holy Ghost. It's nice being right. It's nice being in the. I'm in the right, but it's more important about being led by the Holy Ghost. I did not know what they were going through, and so when they were when they were talking to him, the Lord smote me, and it was speaking to me. He says, "You you only see the outward, but I see the heart." Did it fix everything? That's up to God. But guess what? The Lord's blessing us. We remained in the right no we didn't say it, we didn't voice it. We didn't call anybody and get people on our side. We said we're just going to pray about it and let God handle it. It's tough. Cuz I want to vindicate myself. <laughs> You talk bad about my wife. (laughs) We go outside, boy. We'll handle this. But then let God handle the situation. And watch what God will do. Well, I preached way over my time. Let's all stand. I'm sorry, guys, for preaching for so long. It's more important. And here's here's the thing that when God was speaking to me about worship, is that God is desiring a wife. And so when I look at that word wife, it's to me it's an acronym. I'm gonna briefly explain it to you. Wife stands for four things. This is for the church. The W stands for worship. The I stands for instruction. The F stands for fellowship, and E stands for evangelism. If I am more concerned about evangelism and reaching souls and doing the work and being about my father's business and being about the kingdom business and having true fellowship with one another, I'm more or less, I'm not going to be the one sitting behind and tearing down the pastor. Because I'm more concerned about reaching people and helping people. I'm less worrying about other people in the church because I'm here trying to help it's interesting when you when you're with the medics and people in, in, in warfare, that medic is more concerned about what the wounds are on that person is than other than here what this guy's doing in combat. He's not yelling at this guy, you idiot, you stupid why are you not firing your weapon the way we tie you blah blah, blah. no he's concerned because this guy's bleeding out and he's trying to save his life. What are you talking about? What are you thinking about? What are your actions? What are you doing? I know we're going into fireworks and there's going to be a lot of talk and a lot of talking and a lot of conversations. Is your conversations pleasing the Lord? Are you uplifting the ministry? Are you uplifting the, your brother and your sister? You don't know what that person's battling when you go to that, that tent and that person's sitting there. You don't know if they're battling suicide. You don't know if they're battling depression. They might have that smile on their face and just, everything's going, but when they go home, they're they're like, God, where are you? Because I know because I've been there. I've done that. I've battled suicide. I know what it likes to even be on the platform and battle suicide. But then, and then have a preacher come and minister and say, God loves you. God loves you. And I'm over here. God, I'm unworthy. What am I going through? I, I don't have the answers. And God's all along, is wrapping his arms around me. I was sitting right back there. His arms are just wrapping. His, I'm just pouring tears. And the And the... The preacher says this, Michael Sponsler was the one preaching. He said, I can't get past the point that God doesn't want me to get past this, that I just want to tell somebody, God loves you. God loves you. God knows where you're at. God knows where you're at. And I'm over back there and just like, God, I'm unworthy. What am I doing? What is going on? Why can't I get the victory? Why am struggling? Does anybody see? Does anybody know? And I, right in the back, right over there, I'm struggling, fighting for my very life. And the man of God saying, "God loves you. God loves you. God's concerned about you. He knows what you're fighting. You're going to have the victory." And I'm over here like, ah, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm a personal testimony. Be careful what you tell your brother. Be careful because you can hold, you can destroy them. The life and death is in the power of the tongue. What if happened if God was some of us with Moses? Yeah, you are. You have slow tongue. You have this issue. Get away from me. Would the children of Israel have been delivered? Maybe. God could have raised somebody else up. He could have. But he took time out. Because there's two chapters dealing with it. The first, well, chapter 3 and then the first part of chapter 4. God's dealing with Moses. He's getting the man of God ready. He doesn't cast him aside. He gets frustrated with him, but he doesn't kick him aside and cast him into hell. But he deals with him because he knows that this man is going to lead millions out. And so he takes his time. And he gives them signs and he gives them words. He tells them prophecy, he gives them prophecy of what's going to happen. So when he goes home, he's equipped and ready to go. Don't be in a rush when God's working on somebody. Don't be in a hurry. You're not living the way you need to be living. And you're, you're battling things that you don't need to be battling. So be careful. Let God do the work. Let the ministry be sensitive and let them flow in the Holy Ghost. You just keep praying for them. You just keep loving them. You just keep doing what you know what to do is right. And watch what God will do. I heard, I heard a testament. I'm wrapping up with this. And Sister, Tess, Sister Kelsey sat down across from me and my wife yesterday and said, Brother Mike, I'm so thankful for you. And I had no idea what she's talking about. And she said, I told the woman at the women's conference about this, that Brother Mike, when she was wearing pants, and and uh, we went shooting one day with me, Lance, and Cheryl. And we went out shooting, and, and she looks at me and is talking about her pants issue. And I said, I, this is what she told me. I said, I don't remember it, but she said that, uh, you told me, she said, don't worry about it. Let God handle it. When you're ready, God will deal with you. And she said she was under so much conviction. I had no clue what was God was doing. But God convicted her, and she said, that was the last day she wore pants. I could have been the one to destroy her by my words. Why aren't you doing that? You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Got to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost at times. You gotta love one another. You gotta pray for one another. I don't know what you're battling. I don't know what you're struggling. I, I'm just visiting here, but you know what? God knows exactly where you're at. God desires to heal you, God desires to
4: set you at liberty. God desires you to be the man of God, and He desires
0: you to be the woman of God. I want to open these altars. I want you to come down. You know what you're battling. You know what you're going through. You know what you tell yourself at night. You know
4: what you wrestle with in the struggles. You know what's stopping you from fulfilling God's calling on your life. (laughs) But it's me being sensitive to the Holy Ghost it's us being sensitive lifting my brother up in prayer lifting my sister up in prayer pray blessings, pray anointing for the anointing destroys the yoke I have anointed you Jeremiah I have sent you over the nations to pull down, to destroy, to break the yokes and all these things but I also anointed you to build up and to plant what is God dealing with you about? God has called you into the ministry. You might have made a mistake. You might have made mistakes. But don't beat yourself up. Let God do the work. You submit yourself under the hand of God. And let God lift you up. You're struggling with things, addictions. You're struggling with things. that say, God, could I ever be what I need to be? Just let God work on you. Just let God love you. Oh, God, tonight in this house, there's many souls, and some are on the balance. Some are struggling. Some are fighting for their very life. God, minister to those souls tonight. Minister, Lord, to those hearts that are broken into them that need to be healing. God, minister to them, Lord. Oh Tonyo, I see that he is he is he is da da he is Makotoyo, he is Kataye he is no no I see he is Kataye he a no no i he is Kataye da Minister Lord in your congregation, you know this. Fight, and they're weary in the fight. Give them strength. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I will love thee, O oh Lord, my strength. My Lord and my Redeemer. God, let the Holy Ghost do your work tonight. in the church tonight of the living God. Lord, we don't want to see another loss. We don't want to see another one broken. But Lord, do the work in their life. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Anoint minds, anoint spirits, Lord. I pray, God, that the Holy Ghost would work in people's lives. Lord, I pray work in their life. Wrap your arms around about them, I pray. happy your How praise You
2: in all that I go through? Because praise is
3: what
2: I do. said, I'll praise you in all that I go through, because praise is what I do. I'll pray
5: them right now hallelujah find somebody and pray with them right now hallelujah. lord jesus come on let's pray for one another hallelujah jesus 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 hallelujah hallelujah come on pray for them lead the blood of jesus over them hallelujah his covering his shield, his protection, his guidance. Come on. Minister unto them in prayer right now. The Holy Ghost. Let the body minister to the body. Come on. Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Ghost talking to us and helping us. Amen. You've been helped tonight by the word of the Lord. Yeah, we can't figure things out. As I told you, it has been lots of stress going on in this world. And, uh, I was in a meeting yesterday with the vice president of the, and corporate employee there and it was a long meeting and a very stressful meeting let's just say I never yelled and screamed but I sure felt like it we just happened to deal with business Monday it was the same thing got done and the vice president got up from behind his desk walked around grabbed my hand he said pastor thank you for being kind in all this when you have the right to be so mean to us but you're kind to us and I said well that's what I got to be I said if I said what I would like to say it wouldn't be kind <laughs> but I hopefully said what I should have said so today that was yesterday we were going through a whole bunch of junk but today I we were talking on the phone again and he called me again we talked He was on the phone talked to it. he said something really odd to me because we've never talked about God he said have you been praying for me I said yep my wife was a witness yesterday we sat in the house I walked in there and she said I said, I don't know why this is going on. I can't figure this out. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I know what God wants us to do. I have no clue what's going on with all this thing. She leave me. She said, Well, at least don't have a heart attack. <laughs> she said, I'm not going to do any good. And I said, I know, I know. And she said the same thing, sitting the dining room table. She goes, I don't understand this at all. But today, he said to me, He said, Have you been praying for me? And I said, I sure have. I've been praying for you. He said, you know, I felt, I thought somebody today's praying for me. And he said, it must have been you. Because he said, I hadn't felt that in a long time. Now, all this craziness that's been going on, and stress out the head, and it's hard to sleep at night with all this stuff. You know what? Who knows what God is doing in all of this thing to bring us to this point, Brother Serrano, just so somebody will know that, We can pray for them and they can feel God. And we don't have to yell and scream and be mean to them and treat them bad. We can still be Christian as we're going through all of this junk. I'm not blowing my horn. I'm just trying to show you we don't really know what all this stuff's about when we're going through all of these things. The man who oversees our fireworks is going through a lot right now. Today I sent him a text telling him, I said, "I, I appreciate you. You're a great man. He goes to church. And he's he's a great guy. He 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 had a prayer time at our our orientation last year. He did, he sang the national anthem and then had a prayer time at our thing. I mean, he's an outstanding guy. You're not supposed to do that when all these meetings like this. And I sent him that today, and he texted me back. He said, "Thank God, somebody is willing to pray for me." I don't know what he's going through. I just know he's going through lots of stuff right now. That's why we're here. It's, this, it's not about us. Brother Serrano, excellent message. We're here to help people. So God, whatever you need to do. Well, I better, within reason, God, whatever you need to do, <laughs> use us for your glory. Sister Holly, thank you. Thank you for your, oh, you shouldn't have moved. You were supposed to be over here. Thank you for your testimony. I know that ministered right here in this house. I hope they recorded it because I got somebody I want to send that too. Thank you for being open and honest. And I know that's not easy, but thank you. And thank you for the song tonight. It's been great to have Brother Cicerano with us tonight. Thank God for them being here. Amen. He's a product of the palace of praise, for good or for bad. And thank God it's for good. Amen. Hopefully, remind you, rem- remember your.